Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program dedicated to engaging in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. My name is Lee Cadenhead. I'm an assistant pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and I'm your host for this Great Commission Conversation. On today's Great Commission Conversation, Thomas Irvin and I continue our discussion on the topic of deputation. Thomas is a missionary to Uganda, East Africa, and perhaps you can tell from our previous conversation that he is a man of intensity. But in addition to his intensity, Brother Irvin is also quite thoughtful. This is among the reasons that I wanted to discuss this topic of deputation with Brother Irvin. He's thinking seriously about why we do the things that we do, and he's interested in doing what we do as effectively as possible, including raising support for foreign mission service. Brother Irvin's also interested in taking the things which he has thought through and applying the conclusions and the lessons learned to practical day-to-day living so that he can be as fruitful as possible for the Lord. So these are a couple of the themes that we're going to interact with today in relation to deputation. How can we do this thing more effectively? And for missionaries, what can they do to be fruitful and healthy while they go through this process of raising support? I certainly appreciate you tuning in to Great Commission Conversations. Now here's part two of the interview with missionary Thomas Irvin. Now you and I recently were were able to be in a in a pastor school together, and you were given some time in that pastor school to address a, a room full of pastors on 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 this subject of deputation, and and more particularly uh, the the direction that it, I think you, you took was how how can we how can we do this more efficiently? So uh, let me put that to you: what what do you think are some things that churches and pastors can do? to make the process of raising support more effective and more efficient. Sure. Sure. You know, the, we were talking earlier about how deputation is often seen as a necessary evil. And I, I think in what I've seen, part of the reason for that, and, and again, this is going to sound maybe insulting or, or, or mean or disrespectful or, and, and that's not at all my intention. I'm, I'm, I, I tend to speak very plainly and, and very directly, and so that that's what I'm going to do here. But the, the the negativity surrounding it, I think, stems from a complete lack of organization on the part of not only just the missionaries, not only missionaries, but but pastors as well. I've heard pastors. We've had these discussions where they complain about uh, phone calls from missionaries or emails from missionaries or, or or whatever the case may be. They're getting overwhelmed or they're getting flooded with with various types of communication from missionaries. They don't know these missionaries. They don't know their background. They don't know who they are. They can't return all the calls. And all that is legitimate and understandable. Pastors are, are often, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're extremely busy. And they can't sit and take every single phone call. And they and they can't, you know, it's it just, there, there are some understandable justifications for uh, for a small measure of the, of the, the lack of organization. But in my estimation, if you would make very plain and very clear somewhere, and, and I'm speaking mostly to pastors in, in, in this respect, if you would make very clear, say on your website, if you're a prospective missionary that would like our church to consider you, this is how you can contact us. And anyone that contacts you outside that those means, either direct them to that area or, or just completely ignore it. Once you've made clear how you want to be approached, 
it, it kind of takes away a lot of the trouble. And that's such a simple and basic idea. But some of the easiest churches I've had communication with were churches that made very plain and very clear on their website, this is how we want you to contact us. This is how we're going to respond to you. And when that happens, we'll go from there. And because because I had that direction, my mentality is not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to I'm not going to do what they want. I'm going to approach them the way that I want. I, you know, I, I try to follow the direction they give and it just makes that communication so much easier. And I'm, I'm also not of the idea that everyone that says they've been called to missions needs to be supported, nor do you need to have them in your church. And so pastors are going to have to do some homework and they're going to have to figure out who, who these people are. And a lot of that, you know, a lot of pastors have kind of circles they run in, and that's understandable. You, you, you know their pastor, you know their church, so you have an idea of who this missionary is, rather than a cold call or someone that you've never heard of calling you. And, and you have to be careful with missions money. But if you would sit down at your church, we've had a couple of churches that, that, are, that are pretty good with this, where they streamline not only an, the way they want missionaries to approach that church, but once they take you on for support, they send out a series of they they send out a series of emails with information as to how they want that relationship to be further cultivated. It's such a common sense thing, but it is greatly lacking. And so, instead of a uh, missionaries complaining about having to make phone calls or or send emails or or the negative aspects of deputation, and instead of pastors complaining about it, maybe just coming up with some common sense ideas on how missionaries and pastors can reestablish a relationship that doesn't look like a pastor running from a robocall from India. And <laughs> that, that really bothers me. And, and I don't like that. That's what this relationship has been relegated to. Sure. And so I think just some basic, honestly, I, you know, I heard a missionary say one time, can you think of another system that would allow a missionary in one, two, or three years to raise a lifetime of support and then get to the mission field and do his job? And I don't think anybody's come up with anything reasonable that could replace that. So rather than just attacking deputation, maybe coming up with some common sense ideas on a local level, you're not going to get everybody to join, to jump on board. But if you can streamline it at your church, that's one less church that missionaries have to fight with or, or, or you know, <laughs> trick you into talking to them. <laughs> sure. Sure. You know, as a, as a pastor, um, for, for a number of years in South Alabama, we didn't have a procedure, a, an announced procedure. It was a, I had the time to, to take the phone calls and, and I tried to make it a practice to return phone calls, which I think is, which is very, which, which missionaries seem to be very appreciative of. But I also found that most most of the time missionaries appreciate when you give them a straight answer and one of the one of the most and and I'll be honest with you one of the most painful parts of pastoring a small independent baptist church is the limitation of resources right. um there are so many good guys out there that are that are going sure. to do a great job or that are doing a great job so many good investments for our missionary do- mission dollars and I realize there are I realize there are exceptions to that. I realize there are poor investments, and I realize maybe there are people that are gaming the system and not and 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 not doing right by the churches that support them. But I know I know a lot of missionaries that that are very much deserving of support. And the reality is, it's a it's sort of a heartbreaking thing for a for a pastor of a small church that realizes 
they're at the they're at the edge of their their capacity to take right. on support. Right. But I do think that be that as it may, I think just being up front with a missionary and saying, brother, you know, we're just not able to take on new missionaries right now. We're not able to have you in. And uh, I appreciate you calling, but we're not going to be able to schedule you rather than playing the cat and mouse game or trying to avoid yes. the contact. Just right. a straight answer would be very much a no would be very much more appreciated by a missionary than evasion. And right. uh, I think just having a just just having a sort of a respectful approach in that way is is helpful. So in your in your opinion, you know, you've 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 had this experience on deputation and not only around a, a variety of churches and pastors, but also missionaries. What are some things that you think that missionaries might be able to do to be more effective on deputation? Setting goals is a huge one. Um, too often, I think, so So we, we've kind of touched here and there on some of the terminology we use in our Baptist churches. And, um, and I think what our some of the terminology has established maybe some false ideas or, or some false expectations regarding some of the aspects of the, of the, the, the Christian life within the Baptist world. And I, and I often call it, and, and, and this is going to be really cheerful, but I often call it Christian welfare. And the, the idea is that I'm going to sit back and let God do the work. And the Bible is very practical. God gives us a lot of responsibility and he has, he has high expectations of us. Well, we turn around oftentimes and put that expectation, expectation back on God and say, well, as soon as you do this for us, we'll, we'll have it. And so the way that relates to missionaries on deputation is you have to have a very proactive attitude and, and you've got to stay productive and you need to be continually staying focused on the goals that you've set. But do that without being fake and do that without being a salesman. Honestly, present to churches who you are and then let that church decide. Let the, let, let the, let the word of God work in their hearts and let, and let the Holy Spirit work in that church to decide whether they think you are what they're looking for or not. Sure. And if you're not, don't get offended by it. Move on. Get, get down the road to the next place. Now, And there's a balance here. And the balance for us has been we're not rushing off to the next place until we have spent quality time here. Once we have spent quality time with this church, then they can make an educated decision. And we did go, we, we went to a few churches that were just kind of going through the process. They, they really didn't care one way or the other. They, they were, this is just something they were supposed to do. And we were there to be part of the show. There's nothing you could do about that. Just, do your part to be real, to be honest, to present them with something authentic while you're there and then move on to the next place. And that, that authenticity mixed with quality on your part, regardless of, what, regardless of whether or not it is, it is reciprocated from the church. We've got to get this idea out of our heads that some churches are going to, to some extent, take advantage of, of, of you being there. They might use you to fill a pulpit because the pastor's out of town. They might just be going through the motions, as I've said, and they're going to have you there and, and nothing really meaningful is going to come out of it. It's going to happen. So the best thing to do would be to understand that up front, get over it and just resolve that you are going to present something authentic and something real. One of the goals Kristen and I set on deputation is to elevate the idea of deputation, not to, not to use it and abuse it because there might be 
misuse of it elsewhere by other people. I don't care about that. I'm responsible to God. And what I would like to do is when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, when he looks at that period of my life, I would like to at least try and say that I, I made a valid effort to make something, to, to, to add some value to deputation. Right. And so that, that's going to be done on an individual basis. It's, it's really just personal responsibility, personal <laughs> accountability, and stepping it up for yourself. Well, that's the terminology that that came to mind. If there's an alternative to Christian welfare, it would be personal responsibility, which sure. is Christianity. I mean, um, now you you touched on something right there. You 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 made an effort to spend quality time with the churches that you that you visited. Um, if that if that quality time was not reciprocated, it didn't make you a victim. You move on. There are right. you have other yes. meetings. You're going to continue to to keep your eye on the on the larger goal. But um, I do, I do think that it's worth mentioning that the fact that as as you pointed out, I mean, maybe there's a better system. If there's a better system, I'm I'm wide open. I, I, I we want to we want to be as effective as we possibly can right. in supporting missions, fulfilling the Great Commission, getting guys to the foreign field. But as you pointed out, you know, de- the whole concept of deputation of taking, you know. A couple of years, two to three years, whatever whatever the time frame is, and and we mm-hmm. want to be efficient there too. And yeah. raising a lifetime worth of support, I mean, there are less efficient methods. Yes, <laughs> of getting of 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 getting your you know your your family support for decades. Right, but part of that is part of that is is not just a sales pitch; it's relationships. Yes. And if you can spend some time with the pastor, if you can spend some time with the churches, if you can, and obviously, you know, you're in dozens upon dozens upon dozens of churches, you're pre- going to be pretty limited on the number of names that you can memorize. And I always told, I mean, I've, I always told our church at Ridge Road, look, you're not every missionary that comes through here is is going to just, you're, your heart's not going to gravitate to everybody that comes through here. Right. Uh, but you are going to gravitate towards some and, and try to develop those relationships and try to get, try to learn, try to learn on, try to learn some of them, what their needs are, how to pray for them, uh, get to know them. I think that is an important part of stability in the enterprise as we go about it. So I appreciate, I appreciate missionaries that, that are willing to take their time, spend time with the people, field the questions, try to yes. develop a relationship with the pastor. I think that's important to the stability of the work. It's not only is it important to the stability of the work, but it's, it's what are we doing here? I mean, this is worldwide missions. And so we can't let minor relationship troubles oh, over, overshadow, you know, the accomplishment of the great commission. And so some of these things we just need to get over and move past. And then, you know, as you mentioned, getting your people to, to become intimately involved with the, with the missionaries. We have been to some churches that are that are great at that. They do all they can to get the missionaries they support in front of people, and it just adds so much value to the authenticity of that relationship. And when you, when that when that church is asked again next year to to give more money, well they've they've seen all year where that money is going, and they know what's going on in the lives of those missionaries. There there is such a a deeper level of relationship between missionaries and those and those type churches, the churches that do that. That that can't really be explained. You'd have to you'd have to experience it. Speaking of of relationships, authenticity, um, um, 
stability that in in the in the enterprise of missions, the relationship between supporting churches and and uh, missionaries. I want to return to to something that we a place where, that that we addressed previously, and that is your relationship to your local church. Uh, it's pretty clear to me, and and I, it's clear to me because I because I know you, and because we've spent a good bit of time together. But you don't look at your sending church as simply a sending church. It's your home church. You don't look at your sending church as simply an expediency for your larger vision of going to Africa, uh, you, you've taken some, you've taken some counsel from your pastor that at times has Mm -hmm. been difficult. You've tried to have a submissive attitude toward the authority of your local church, and Mm -hmm. it has made your deputation experience richer and more stable and so forth. So I want to address a a series of personal aspects uh, of of your experience on the road, but what are some things that you did to try to stay connected to your home church as you were out on the road and on deputation? Sure. Um, You know, communication, honestly, you know, and and (laughs) this may ruin everything we've talked about so far, but uh, it's one of my worst qualities. (laughs) Um, I am terrible at staying in touch with people. But something that you can do and something that it maybe even is a little more, again, uh, you know, and staying in tune with the, with the authenticity of it all is if we, were the, if we were within four or five hours of our church, we just drove down there. Great. Um, we, we, we may not have been there. We, we may have just been there two weeks ago. But if we had an opportunity and we were within range, you know, I, and one of the advantages we have of that is, is that our, our midweek services are on Thursday. So that, that can provide some extra opportunity. But honestly, and in the entire time we were on deputation, rarely did we have a Wednesday night service. Hmm. Almost every meeting, if it was a Wednesday night service, it was because it was a missions conference. Churches now have so much going on on Wednesday evenings. They often didn't you know, schedule Wednesday night meetings. We, we rarely had Wednesday night meetings. And so we would just go to church. We, we would either go to church at a church that had begun to support us or a church that our church closely fellowships with. We didn't try to drop in at a strange place and create this awkward situation where, you know, we just kind of showed up. It never really seemed to provide much value to our time on deputation. So instead, what we did was, if there was a supporting church that, that, that had picked us up that was in three or four hours driving time, we'd go there and, and just show ourselves and, and, you know, again, adding to that relationship. But we would do the same thing to our home church. If our home church had, uh, you know, for instance, this past year, uh, you know, back in 2019, they had the youth rally. Well, when they had the youth rally, we planned to be there. And so wherever we were, we went out of our way to go down there. And if all we did was show up and, and, and walk the grounds, I mean, we, we tried to participate and, and help out. But um, even if there was nothing that we could do, we just wanted to be there and, and be a part of our church and stay, stay tuned with what's going on. Um, when I've got to make decisions. I call Brother James or I call Brother David Brown, our, our assistant pastor, and, and I talk to them about it. I, I try not to just jump on something without running it past them because, again, I get an idea in my head and I'm going after it 100% and, and there's something I didn't think about. And, and there's safety in a multitude of counselors and, yes. and we, we have a, almost a responsibility, a biblical responsibility through the submissive nature the Bible requires of us under our pastor 
to talk to him about these things, especially, especially when he signed off to send me out and have churches give me thousands of dollars to send me across the world. He wants to know what's going on. And so we talk regularly. I email him. I email ideas to him. We discuss these things. I call him. I text him. Anything I can do to run ideas past him, especially when something big develops. Sure. I try to communicate that to him as quickly as possible before I make any moves. I don't right. want to be halfway into something and say, oh, by the way, <laughs> you know, just I, I want to talk to him about it and cultivate those ideas and discuss them with him and hash them out. And he's open to discussion. He's not a he's not a dictatorial type guy, though he may have some strong opinions. And so we can hash it out and we can talk about it and we can discuss it. And ultimately, what I tend to find out is he has thought of something that I didn't. And, and I and I value his counsel in that regard. Well, and we're to be clear, we're not we're not describing a, a pastor here that's micromanaging another right. man's ministry. Right. Oh, anybody that knows brother James knows that he's not interested in that kind of relationship. Sure. However, the, the local church is the, it is the means I think biblically whereby uh, we, we keep, we remain accountable and accountability is, is mighty important for every Christian. And I think it's especially so in this work of missions, because there is such a significant investment that has been made in uh, in in ambassadors such as yourself, which are support, which are representing the churches, and right. much more so the the church that is has sent you formally your home church. Living arrangements while on the road. I, I realize there are some strong opinions about the best way to tackle travel and living on the yeah. road on <laughs> deputation. And and so I you know I don't want to wade into controversy. I, I would refer our listeners to my disclaimer from the from the earliest part of the interview about deputation just having a personality just like every individual and every every Christian. Um, so some people say, no, I'm not getting a I'm not getting a travel trailer. I'm not going on a camping trip. I'm going on on deputation. Right. For you and Kristen, you guys ended up with a travel trailer. How'd that work out for you? What do you think are the are the pros and the cons? Uh, how how how'd that how'd that go for you and your wife? Right. Before we made that decision, we we talked to Brother Keith Stensis. Brother Keith Stensis wrote a great article about how to successfully complete deputation. One of the things he highlighted was the benefits of having a travel a travel trailer, and uh, and then I read, I believe, Jim Fallor's book on deputation and. And in and, and that book, he talk, he spoke highly of having a travel trailer. And it just seemed to be a common theme that was coming up. And so uh, we talked to Brother James about it again and, and discussed the pros and cons with him. And it just also Steve Holt, you mentioned Steve Holt, they had one. And he said it was incredibly beneficial to his approach to deputation to have that travel trailer. And so we, we had resolved we were going to buy one. Now, we did not buy some monstrosity that cost half as much as some of the churches we see. We we bought a little 18 foot ugly, you know, tank of a travel trailer that was built in 1995. And um and and it's just my wife and I, so it really it really suited our needs perfectly. It, it was small, it was only 18 feet. We could dart around the country with it. It would fit in one parking space so it didn't take up, you know, half a parking lot and and you know, it, you know, th- there are a lot of details that need to be paid attention to if you're going to go the travel trailer route. And our goal was to find something small, maneuverable, and but still we wanted a, a, a designated bedroom area. We wanted a full bathroom. We wanted a sink, a full fridge. This thing had all that and it was 
relatively inexpensive. I, I think we paid uh, five or six thousand dollars for it uh, um, when we, we when we bought it, and so it ended up being unbelievably helpful. So far as the goal is to to get out away from your home church and to get on the road and to get deputation finished. And what it allowed us to do was to go out and to stay out. And not only so, but in keeping keeping with my responsibility to take care of myself and to take care of my wife and to provide for us, staying in state parks across the country is unbelievably cheap. Um, we ran into multiple situations where we didn't have a meeting for a couple of days. I, I, and again, this is my philosophy. This is kind of my approach. I didn't feel, I don't feel comfortable with calling a church, especially a church I don't know and saying, we're going to be in your area. Can I use your travel trailer hookups or can I park in your parking lot or, or that kind of thing? I never, ever did that. And, and I don't feel that I have a right to do that. It seems to me that it's my responsibility. Now, if a church offers that, Praise the Lord. We'll, we'll be happy to take it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to ask for it or, or to put a church, in my estimation, a church may not see it this way, but in my estimation, put them in a bind where they have us parked there. They may have something coming up that's going on. It, it, just, it just creates all sorts of awkward situations when ultimately it's my responsibility to make sure that we have somewhere to, to, to stay and, and that my wife is safe and we have what we need. We were able to do all that with a travel trailer, and it was unbelievably effective and really helped us, I think, probably save thousands of dollars in travel back and forth, as well as not staying in hotel rooms or or putting an undue burden on churches to to host us or to keep us or or to do any of that type of thing. So, Sure. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that insight and your personal experience. Again, I, I, that that's not to suggest that that is the that 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 is the key to deputation for everybody that that strikes out to to raise their support, but it certainly afforded you some flexibility, and it certainly afforded you the opportunity not to be continually dependent upon churches, and uh, so it's it sounds like it worked out great for for the two of you. Uh, although, as you as you acknowledged, it might be different if you were a family of six too. It would. <laughs> so that, it would. Yeah. The fact that it was it was you and your wife, of course, the next time you have to do that uh, check. In on churches, it's not going to be as comfortable, is it? <laughs> yes, yeah, my wife is growing, pregnant, so <laughs> right, growing, growing family. Um, well, something that I wanted to ask you about. I, I think this is almost uh, this is almost a topic that's it's chuckled about, but it's not seriously addressed <laughs> most right. of the time. And, and that is, it's it's difficult. It's difficult living on the road. It's it's difficult. Um, going from from one church to another to to another and and as you mentioned most of your all of your support was basically raised east of the Mississippi and a great deal of that was raised south of the Mason Dixon line <laughs> yeah. one of the ways that we express hospitality and love yeah. and appreciation down here in the south is by feeding people that visit with us and you know that's uh, that's true in every culture is is yeah. there, there's a certain there's a certain fellow even as, as the lord fellowshiped with his disciples around a table but that can have some adverse effects on the missionary's waistline <laughs> yeah. uh, too so what have you done personally to try to maintain your health while you've traveled sure um there are a couple of things first of all it's developing a mentality um i to help with with the hospitality of churches, 
Um, I adapted, you know, various forms of intermittent fasting. So, so the thing is when it comes to your health and wellness, overeating is just as dangerous as, as under eating. And there is a, there is a visual that is not good when a missionary shows up, who's going to a third world country and he's overweight and, <laughs> and blaming that on deputation, it, it, it exposes more of a lack of personal discipline than it does anything else to people that are willing to, to call that out, I, I suppose you could say. And so it re, it's going to require you to consciously make a plan. I'm not going to go back for seconds. I'm not going to get dessert. If I do get dessert, it's going to be very little because I don't want to offend. But honestly, the way people's diets are today, I don't. I think it was harder to go to a church where the people in that church are not on some form of diet and would not be complete. They would be completely respectful to the idea that I didn't want to overeat whatever it is they had prepared. It, it's not like it was at one time, or you rarely run into the situations where the people are just going to be offended if you did, if you didn't eat what they made. And, and you got to treat each situation differently. You may be eating with a family who spent the whole day making you a meal and you need to sit down and eat that meal. I mean, that that's, they're trying to be a blessing. They're trying to be a help, but that doesn't mean you got to eat four or five of them. It doesn't mean that, you, you know, as you make your plate, you have to overload it. So just practicing some, some common sense ideas in terms of what you're eating or how much you're eating, especially on the road, because you don't get to control a lot of times. Now, if you have a travel trailer, you have a little more control. But if you don't have a travel trailer, you often don't get to uh, have a lot of say in what you end up eating, especially when you're in missions conferences all week long and they're feeding you day and night. You, you just got to be careful about it. Secondly, what I did was I bought a set of cross, cross rope jump ropes and I bought a set of kettlebells and I bought a mountain bike. And we kept those with us as we traveled and I would try and set aside time, not as disciplined as I should have, but I would try and set aside time to work out on a regular basis. All the sitting, all the driving, all the conferences, all the eating, it's going to take its toll on your body. And I already have, I have a really bad back. And so all that sitting and, and driving and all of that just exacerbates that problem. So staying active that way really helps and, and, and. And it, and it just, especially with the intermittent fasting, it kind of forces you to keep your flesh under control. It, it, it kind of forces you to, to bring it into subjection just a little bit more. Let me, let me make an observation. Let me, let me see if I can get your concurrence here. I, I, I think I know the answer to this. I realize that you went to Bible school in a place that actually taught you the Bible. I, I realize that you've been in a church mm -hmm. where you received invaluable experience in public ministry and personal evangelism. Uh, and we've talked about your your connection and the importance of the local church. But with that said, it, it sure seems to me, having observed you and your wife uh, over the course of your your deputation travels, it seems to me that this season of deputation was a time of of spiritual and personal growth for you and Kristen. Do you think that's do you think that's so? Oh, absolutely. I think it stretched me and changed me in in very positive ways. So what are some things that you did personally to discipline your time and, and to facilitate your spiritual growth while you were on the road? So that question I think is very important. And I think it, that question alone, so if, so if I can say it this way, if you're a missionary or even a pastor listening to this, what I did 
And what I'd like you to do or consider doing is think about what you do on a daily basis. Wherever you are, whatever your situation may be, what are you doing on a daily basis? What are you doing to stay productive? How are you adding value to the people that are, that are taking their hard-earned money and giving it to you so that you can have the freedom to be ministering in the way that you're ministering? And, and that was my mentality. That's how I thought about what am I going to do with all this extra time that I have now? Because for all the talk about conferences and the traveling and all of that, you do have a lot of downtime. And so you've got two choices. You can waste all of that time. You can kick your feet up. You can relax. And maybe some. Maybe you should relax from time to time. I, I probably go too far maybe in, in the wrong direction on this. But the, people are giving me money for the purpose of fruit abounding to their account. That's not going to happen by, by, you know, goodwill thinking. <laughs> like I, I have to be active. I have to be busy. I have to be doing something that is going to produce that fruit. And so what, what I did was I sat down and I tried to think about what would be a good productive day on days where we're traveling, on days where we're parked and we're sitting and waiting for the next meeting. I tried to think about how, how I could take that day and do something that day that would, that would uh, build my wife and I spiritually and would add value to the, to the financial investment that people are making to our ministry. So I made a schedule. I would get up as best I could almost most mornings at 5 a.m. And I would, I would read, I would study. I, I typically, honestly, probably spent the majority of my day studying the Bible and reading. That, that was, I, I just, I, I enjoy doing that. I love doing that. I, I want to do it more when I'm not doing it. I almost have withdrawals. <laughs> and so, uh, that's that was the majority of how my day was spent. I would try and take classes online, you know, whether it was just just anywhere, any, anywhere, anyone that has something going on online where you can learn more, where you're you're kind of stepping outside your box a little bit and outside your own world a little bit. Uh, I would take those classes and I would try and and try and keep up with those. My wife and I would schedule time to go out and and try and do public ministry. If there was a local church around that that uh, supports us or that we we fellowship with. We'd go spend time with them. We'd try and help with whatever they had going on. We had great opportunities because of the, the you know, the the Lord blessing our deputation and the success of our deputation. We we one time at one point we were in North Carolina, got a last minute call from a church in Ohio that needed summer camp counselors uh, because something had happened and and some some people that were supposed to help had fallen through. So we parked our travel trailer. In North Carolina, at, at a at a place at a uh, RV park, drove all the way to Ohio overnight, stayed three days in Ohio, helped with the summer camp, then drove back and was in back in time for our next meeting in North Carolina. You just you have a lot of liberty to make deputation whatever you want it to be. And again, the idea should be to elevate deputation and to elevate the idea of being a missionary, not take advantage of all the money. And the, and the hospitality and the extra time, how can you use that money, that hospitality and that time to help fruit to abound to the accounts of the people that are faithfully investing in your ministry? And that was my, my approach. There is a sense in which, in which deputation uh, tries men. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a season of proving, and, and certainly um, a man should have been proved before he begins the process of deputation. That's, that's, right, the, right. that's how important a local church is to prove men. But 
I tell you, if you, if, if a guy doesn't have any discipline when, when he's on the road, uh, crossing an ocean and being in a place where in some cases he knows virtually no one, um, that's a, that can be a, that can be a dangerous position to be in when you, when you don't have any personal discipline. So, and spending a lot of time studying your Bible and reading, that's a, boy, that's a, that's a recipe for personal growth, intellectual and spiritual growth, isn't it? So, um, now I, you saw your own presentation video, uh, an awful lot of times you, you, you saw it repeatedly. Um, were you, were you renewed when you saw it? Did it, did, did it get stale to you personally? That video, I think became more and more dear to us over the time of deputation. It never got old. It, I, I never got tired of, of, of watching it. Now it's weird to listen to yourself talk that that's, you know, this is not kind of a self-infatuation kind of thing. The reason that that video was so valuable to us, Brother Ed Worth at our church helped us make it. The piano music you hear in the background, Brother Jed Carson at our church wrote that song, composed that music, and he played that song and sang that for us at my wife and I's wedding. And now it's the background music to, 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 our, to our missionary video. The people that we got to know while we were in Uganda, Africa, are, are scattered all through that that video, their pictures, their lives. You can you can see Uganda for what it is in that picture. And because I think, you know, it, it may not be the best video you'll ever see. It may not be, you know, that the, the production quality, the, the the whatever. I think Brother Ed did an excellent job. He, he's he's great at those things. And I literally, every sound you hear in it, the visuals you see, I explained to him with nothing in front of us, what I wanted to see. And then he went and made it. <laughs> I mean, he did wow. an excellent, excellent job. But because people in our home church are involved in it and the people that we can't wait to go and minister to are involved in it, I, over time, I, 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 I never got tired of seeing it. it. It never got old. And it just almost served as a continual reminder of what we're trying to go and accomplish. So this is that that's related to the question that I wanted to ask you was, I think it's possible for a missionary to like deputation too much. (laughs) (laughs) Deputation is not the end goal, you know, is is a, it is pre-filled ministry. It it is filled with opportunities, but it is a means to an end. It is not the end in itself. And so, um, how have you been able to keep your focus on the larger goal of actually getting to Africa? How, how is there anything that you've tried to do to, to keep yourself connected with that? Uh, or, or has it been sufficient just continually relating that burden to churches? Through the course of this, you always wonder, maybe not always, but occasionally you do wonder, you know, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are we, are we supposed to be going to Uganda? Is this really what God wants us to do? You know, those ideas pop into your head. But continually, God has done incredible things in our lives to make very clear to me that this is exactly what he wants us to be doing. And, you know, you, you show up to a church and they have no pastor or the pastor wants out or he wants to leave. And I, I, I had one or two churches, church members actually said to me, would you be interested in being the pastor here? And little ideas, little things like that get planted into your mind and it can play with you. 
you know, deputation is exciting. It, it, it's fun. You're going to all these churches and then you have this exciting meeting and the people there fall in love with you and they want you to stay or they ask you something crazy like that. And repeatedly throughout the, the process of, of, of our deputation, part of that disciplining we talked about a few minutes ago and that planning we talked about is setting those goals and then sitting down and consistently reviewing how far you've come. Are, are we moving in that direction? I set this goal. You know, I, I had several people, they would ask me, so, you know, we've been on deputation three months. And they say, well, when do you plan on being on the field? And I say, well, I'd like to leave by next June. And they're like, next June? You know, the average deputation is about two years. I said, yes, I'd like to be done with deputation by January of 2020. And they'd pat me on the back and say, you know, that's cute. It's, it's good to have goals. And, you know, it's, it's good to do those kinds of things. That's, that's good, son. And uh, nobody, including to some extent myself, ever thought we were going to finish deputation as quickly as we did. Well, brother, I was one of the guys that kind of patted you on the back and said, <laughs> have goals well, you know, I remember you saying to me at, at, at lunch it, in, uh, in Bruton, Right. Are you are you willing to be flexible and and change those goals? And I said, if that time comes, I'll be happy to do it. And 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 I, and I was, I absolutely was. I really had no idea the Lord was going to bless the way that He had. And but my my point in bringing that up is, as you sit down, you don't just set the goals and then throw them out or or leave them aside. You got to go reexamine it. How are we doing? Are we moving in that direction? Are we a step closer? And if I had been three months into deputation and at 10% and that woman said, you know, <laughs> how would you like to be the pastor of this church? It would have meant something very different, yeah, right. but three months into it at 30% of my support. And she says that I'm like, I, there's no way if I did this, I, I believe I would, if I considered the idea you just planted in my head, I believe I would be de defying what God wanted me to do because I, it seems pretty clear. He wants us on our way to Uganda. Because this thing is, is rapidly moving in the right direction. And I've sat down and tried to set measures to see, how are we doing here? How are we doing there? We're constantly moving in this direction. The Lord is greatly blessing. This is working. It's going, in that, going that way. Don't change it now. Don't mess it up now. Don't back off now. Don't get slack now. Push even harder if you can. And and. That's just kind of how we've tried to approach that type of idea, and it's really helped us to stay focused. And I, I mean, I'm just being honest, being being you know upfront with you. Ideas and opportunities presented themselves that really weighed on my heart and mind. Sure. And I had to sit down and wrestle with those ideas in light of the goals that we have set, and the and the and the success that the Lord had given us. And it tended to make very clear to me I shouldn't entertain those ideas. I think that's a most helpful testimony of how, how deputation progressed for you and how you kept your eyes on the prize. Brother Thomas, as the, as the conversation winds down here, personally speaking, what would you say are some outstanding lessons that the Lord has taught you and Kristen while you've been on this journey of deputation? First, I would say I, I don't think we had a reference point before deputation as to how good God's people can and will be to you. Amen. They have many, many of the churches we've been to, uh, you know, we talked earlier about maybe some of the negative uh, experiences you could have on deputation. We have not had an experience negative enough to even, to even say that we've had really a bad time on deputation. 
it has been so good and and God has been so good to us but God's people this and this kind of goes back to the and, and I don't want to belabor the idea but it goes back to the idea of of uh, the negativities related to deputation I think if there was just a little more organization if it, if that were possible amongst our churches and amongst our brethren God's people love missions conferences <laughs> and they love missionaries you don't really see that until you're on the receiving end of it and see the incredible things that they are willing to do for you, which then again relates back to the heavy responsibility that comes with this. You've got to stay focused on what your what your aim is, what your goal is. You've got to have some integrity and, and you've got to be willing to, to do this the right way or or it can be it can be overwhelming. God's people are really good. Amen. Um, secondly, I would say one thing that was hard for me to learn. <laughs> Every situation doesn't require your opinion. You're going to see things. You're going to hear things. You're going to take part in things that you disagree with, that you don't like. You don't want to lose sight of the idea or, or maybe even the fact that God is using that local pastor in that local church. And what happens there is none of your business. Amen. Now, I might have an opinion about it, and it may be 100% wrong, and I could probably prove it. But Brother James, one of, the, one of the biggest lessons he taught us is you went there. You don't get to go there and cause problems. If you didn't verify before you got there that something was going on you didn't like, now that you decided to show up, you don't get to show up and cause issues. You, you, you grit and you bear it. And on the other side of that, something that I have learned is Having grasped that everything doesn't, everything doesn't need, your opinion doesn't need to be offered for everything that happens because of that. In some of those cases, relationships were developed where I, I can now have an actual real influence and be a help to that person because I showed up, I was authentic. I didn't pretend to be something I wasn't to get their money. And I didn't bash their face in over some little detail that I didn't like. Instead, they saw something they thought was, was, was real and authentic and it blessed their people. And now they have an interest in us. And it's given me a vantage point where I have pastors that have been in the ministry 10, 20, 30 years who will sometimes call me and ask me questions, which blows my mind. Sure. But because I didn't insult them while I was there and I was more interested in establishing a relationship with them, I can now have that type of influence over them and I can, I can direct them to people that will help them if it's out of my league or I can offer them the help if it's within my, my ability to do so. The last substantial question I had here to ask you was, was what kind of advice you might offer prospective missionaries that are preparing to begin deputation. I, I think you just said a great deal <laughs> as, to, as to, as to what a missionary preparing for deputation should, should think through, but any, any closing thoughts that you would direct to, particularly toward toward prospective missionaries that are, that are preparing to go on deputation? The, the only thing I would, I would, I guess I would add in summary to what we, we've really, you know, already talked about. And, and again, I think you've been careful to make sure to make clear this is not necessarily prescriptive. The way we did things is not necessarily prescriptive for everyone. But a few details that are, that I believe should be prescriptive to everyone, in my opinion, set goals. If you're not setting goals and making plans, then you're just kind of drifting along in the hopes that God will do things for you yeah. rather than making a focused effort and allowing God to bless your focused effort. 
that that's the first thing. The second thing, plan carefully before you leave. Don't don't be a few months into deputation having quit your job, got rid of your home with your family out on the road, nowhere to go. I, I would like to see this mentality and this idea. And again, it, it's not every missionary, but but maybe it exists to an extent more than it should. This idea that churches are going to take care of me. Adopt the idea that you're going to take care of yourself. And then what churches add to that because they want to be a blessing is just over and above what you've already planned and prepared for. And then thirdly, find the right people and ask a lot of questions. Write the, write the answers to those questions down and use it in your planning. It, it'll, it'll so help you when it's time to finally take that step out and, and hit the road and start deputation. Well, that with with that uh, with that comment, that's really been the idea behind this podcast is to Amen. is to Amen. inform people of of deputation and and what's involved. And I think that this uh, information will be enlightening, perhaps to to just uh, Christians that are that are interested in in the brass tacks of of missions and sure. how men get from their local churches to the foreign field supported. But boy, there's a lot of, I think that we've covered a lot of ground that, that could be Amen. really helpful to pastors and to uh, missionaries. So brother, thank you so much for, for giving us your time. And I just have thoroughly enjoyed the, co- the conversation here. And I feel like we've covered some ground that, that could be really helpful to our listeners. Now, um, part of it, you talked about your, some of your pursuits in the, in the, the, the so-called downtime while you've been on deputation and, and some of the outgrowth of that has been some, some writing and more recently some recorded material that you've produced and uh, just some really, in my opinion, some really good content, some material on the history of, of missions in Africa has been uh, of particular interest to me. And you've, you've started doing some, some interviews with some other Bible believers and, and I've, mm-hmm. I'm personally, I'm, I'm a listener. I have kept up with the content as it's been posted. So for, for our listeners, where can they, where can they find you? How can they, how can they avail themselves to, to some of the material that you've produced and maybe keep up with your ministry as you, uh, as you begin your, your ministry in East Africa? Sure. Uh, Well, the written material primarily can be found on our website along with our prayer letters at, at plenteousredemption.com. And then the, the podcast audio can be found on the, the podcast website, which is plenteousredemption.media. And um, there, there are often interchangeable links between the two pages. You can kind of bounce around back and forth as, as much as you like or as little as you like. <laughs> Well, brother, again, thanks so much. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll maybe we'll sit down and do this again in a few years and and get an update on what's been accomplished in sure. Uganda and Rwanda. That would be enjoyable. Be great. So we'll see. Thanks so much for your time, brother Thomas. I, I I really appreciate you sitting down for the conversation here. Well, I enjoyed my conversation with Thomas Irvin, and I hope that you've enjoyed listening and thinking with us about deputation and all that entails. If you've enjoyed this program, feel free to check out our other interviews on other topics. You can subscribe to this program wherever you receive your podcasts. And if it's been a blessing to you, please feel free to invite others to tune in. I really do welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to get the gospel to the regions beyond. 